It's the Cash All Podcast, breaking down trends in design, web, social media, brands, tech, and more. I'm your host, Brandon Peterson. Adobe Max 2023 is coming gone. It's my favorite thing to participate in each year by far. A chance for me to geek out on best practices in design and software from the world's most creative. We all should look to be a little bit better at what we do than we were the day before. And this conference for me always moves me forward light years in just a matter of a few days. I always leave inspired, rejuvenated, and enthusiastic. This year is especially cool because not only do I go with my teacher hat on, you know, how am I going to use these things in my last year of teaching high school? How am I going to use these things as I continue to be an adjunct professor? Um, but now, how can I use these things as a communication specialist, as an industry professional? You know, I'm, I was excited because it's like, how am I going to be able to use these all these new features to help speed up my workflow, to make me work faster, more efficient? but not at the sacrifice of uh, quality and creativity. I get to attend the conference virtually, which is awesome for me. Um, I love following along from my workstation at home, and then I can immediately try out these new features and apps as the tutorial sessions are happening. But a big drawback is I don't really have anyone to share the experience or my excitement or obsession with Adobe Creative Cloud with uh, where I live. You know, my friends and family, they're supportive. They're excited that I'm excited uh, about Adobe Creative Cloud and all these technologies and graphic design and all that. Um, but other than that, I don't really, you know, have anybody to have good conversations with about it and everything. So this episode allows me to share things that I'm excited about from Adobe Max. So here are what I think are some of the biggest of biggies from Adobe Max 2023. As I break down these new features according to each app uh, or the main apps, there's an interweaving theme of generative AI and Adobe Firefly, which is their um, model for artificial intelligence. Adobe reminds us that AI is not an end, but an ingredient. I'm curious to hear what you all have to think about some of the advancements uh, that they have made. Let's begin with my fave, my longest favorite one, which is Photoshop. Generative fill is becoming much more effective with Adobe Photoshop. We saw a picture of some forest ground and area that leads to a sandy beach and then goes to some water. Uh, the demonstrator selected an area from the forest with the free selection tool. And then in the little prompt from the toolbar that shows up now as we make selections that helps us out, that context toolbar is pretty sweet. Uh, in the little prompt area, they typed in sand path. And then voila, there was a sand path that was drawn or created or manipulated onto it cutting through the forest that leads out and that's pretty cool and there's also which is neat some variations of it to choose from so if you don't like the first option that was created you can find some others uh, there's a cool option where there's a composition of some pictures put together at the bottom of the canvas was a picture of a forest floor 
And then there was some space on the canvas where there wasn't anything. And then above it, there was some forest trees and some sky and landscape, that kind of stuff. And the selector selected that area in between with a little overlap. So they selected a little bit of the bottom of the top picture and a little bit of the top of the bottom picture with the blank area in between, if that makes sense at all. And instead of typing in a prompt, they just clicked generate and it blended the pictures together very seamlessly. Uh, I liked this an awful lot. And, you know, I think, you know, you still have to have good design background, good, you know, experience with this because you have to find pictures that are taken from the same angle. You have to have enough um, mindset to know that they need to be similar colors, similar lightness, all that kind of stuff in order for it to match correctly. But I think that's something that will really save time and make uh, compositions and photo manipulations a lot easier. And, you know, you can be more creative with your work because there's less obstacles to have to navigate around and less tools to figure out and all of that. Um, I do think more and more we're going to see this uh, generative fill be the most used option by designers in slowly replacing content-aware tools. Uh, like, And it doesn't seem that long ago when content-aware first became a thing, and it's like, whoa. There will never be anything better than this. Uh, generative fill, I think, will be something that will totally replace it because you can kind of use it for both ways. Um, another awesome feature in Adobe Photoshop, editable gradients. No more of this. Set up your gradient. You have it just right. Click and drag. Ah, it doesn't look the way I thought it was. Undo. Go back. Reset my gradient. Click and drag. Oh, no, it still doesn't. Undo. Go back. You know, there's not that back and forth process of getting it figured out. Now you can draw your gradient. It puts it on as its own kind of smart layer. And uh, then you can just reselect that layer. And if you don't like it, you can adjust by clicking and dragging the elements of the gradient. You can click and then change the colors. And it's just a whole lot easier. Really speeds up the works, the workflow for that. Um, like I mentioned, that integration of the context bar is very user-friendly for newcomers to the app. And really speeds up the workflow. I like having that there. And for those of us who like to use adjustment layers, you know, the more you use Photoshop, the better you are at them. But I remember the first times I got into Adobe Photoshop, I stayed away from the adjustment layers for a little while because it just took me a while to learn them. Now they have a whole bunch of presets in there that you're able to use. And you can select them, you can modify and all that. And I don't think it'll replace creating our own adjustment layers, but I do think it makes that more accessible for beginners to where they can use some things to kind of help them out. The more they figure out what each thing does, then they can go in and um, make their own, you know, more customized options later. So all that for Photoshop, pretty cool. If you've been using Adobe Photoshop beta, like I've been using for quite a while, uh, you might not be as mind blown by the changes because you've kind of slowly been getting to play with those. But now that it's all fully integrated into the latest version of Photoshop, you know, it is pretty impressive. And I'm appreciative of, of just about everything they've done with that. Next one we have slowly 
rising up to be one of my favorite apps, and I definitely use this one more than Photoshop now, Adobe Illustrator. And controversial. Remember like a year ago, Intertwine Tool was introduced and everybody's standing and cheering and was all excited? Um, not so much this year. A little more mixed reactions. Uh, they've integrated the Firefly vector model with Adobe Illustrator. Um, one of the cool things that I liked, you know, and I'm sure if you've used Adobe Illustrator or if you've made logos, you've done the thing where you outline the text and you know once that's done, you can't go back and you and change the text. And years later, you come back to it and you don't remember what typeface that was. And if you're like me, you have a bunch of installed typefaces. Shoot, now with Adobe Fonts, and you have all these ones and you can just install them at the click of the button and it installs across all devices in your libraries and all that. I've accumulated a lot of typefaces over a short amount of time. Um, but it's like you have this thing. You don't remember what the type is. Well, now there is a retype tool in Adobe Illustrator that allows you not only to identify the type that was used to create that, but you can simply click there, use the retype feature, and start typing in and continue typing using that same type. Really cool. Uh, generative recolor, I think, is nice. You, you might have a logo that's black and white, and you want to try it with different color themes, you know. Uh, you want to try out with some different branding experiments and want to change the design colors, but you like the overall design. This is something that can be really helpful. Uh, maybe you want to make an ad, but you want to type in the prompt what kind of color palette you want to use. Maybe you want to use some kind of whimsical Y2K uh, color theme or color palette. So you could type that in. Maybe you want something with Barbie pink theme. You know, you could type these things in and then it's going to do its best to, uh, to give you those um, color palettes that you can adjust. Uh, so I think it's it's a fun way, especially, you know, I could see this being in my graphic design students. We design a logo. We design it in black and white. Maybe we're not sure what kind of color combinations we want to use. That might be a fun option to explore uh, different possibilities with and see which one you like best. Uh, the example they used, they had some of that boba tea and like each one was a different flavor. And so then they could easily change the colors, you know, to be like a kiwi color theme or a mango color theme. And then it adjusted that pretty easy. So I thought that was kind of neat and pretty cool. Now, the next thing is there is a text to vector that they are introducing. And so you type in a text prompt to make a tiger. That's the example they used. And it made kind of a realistic vector of a tiger's face. Uh, then they said, well, let's make it more cartoony and cute. And then it readjusted it to that. Then you can go in and you can adjust each of the paths. You can adjust the, the fill and the stroke of each object and everything. I'm not entirely sure what to think about this. I had tweeted out, you know, I'm curious to see how uh, the creative community reacts to this. And... You know, people who make a living designing logos, two companies making a logo. They want to make a logo of an elephant, elephant logo. Another company halfway across the world, elephant logo. Is there going to be copyright violations with that 
uh, with the branding. I could see how it could be useful as a starting point. But even then, isn't that influencing your design? And, and you know, there's that line of ethics that I was just really surprised to see Adobe go in that direction. Um, it didn't get a big a applause like, you know, like last year with the intertwine tool. It was kind of like some mumblings and things like that. Definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, you know, I am confident enough in my skills to where I can make anything I want. So I don't see this as really being something that I use. But if, you know, in a competitive world where people are trying to make things, you know, somebody else who just had the computer do it, should they be getting the same um, opportunities as as people who can actually create it themselves? You know, I'm I'm curious to see how that goes or continues to go and how it tags that information in the file. Like it is it even going to be able to be used commercially? You know, I'm I'm not really sure. Um. I don't want to end with that because I do love Adobe Illustrator. So something a little more uh, positive. Adobe Illustrator on the web is now available in beta. Uh, great for schools. Great for educators, especially in a world where uh, you, you know schools are buying Chromebooks and that kind of stuff. To be able to have an option or people who might not be able to install Creative Cloud at home can still access it using their logins from Creative Cloud from school. They can access it online and, and work on some of those things at home and further sharpen those design skills and, and build that passion. So I do like that quite a lot. Uh, a lot of video editors out there. So Adobe Premiere Pro. Uh, the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once uh, w was made and cut in Adobe Premiere, which is awesome. Now, the movie, uh, those of you who know me and know that my little movie rating system, I thought this is one of the most overrated movies in a long time. I was so excited to see it. And when I finally got the opportunity to see it, I was extremely disappointed. I, it just wasn't for me. Uh, but I love the fact it was made in Adobe. And you cannot argue with the film's success. It, it was very successful, won a lot of awards, and was very creative, just wasn't for me. I personally didn't like it. Um, but that was something they were saying, hey, you can make a widely successful movie using our software for this, which is awesome. Uh, Text-based editing allows you to search for text in an auto-generated transcript. Then you can highlight, remove it with the backspace. You can cut and paste the text. You can move it around. And you're editing a video as if you're editing a Word document. Adobe Audition, get on this, bruh. So this, I think, is really cool. Makes it a lot easier. You don't have to mess around with all the tools in your timeline if you don't want to, especially if you're doing a lot of stuff with interviews and, and things like that. Uh, in the beta version, you can even search for fillers. So if you're like me and you say a lot of uhs and ums and so... Those things, those things, that's another filler I use a lot. It'll recognize that uh, using artificial intelligence. Once it has them all highlighted, then you can click delete and it removes all the fillers. Pretty awesome. Huge time saver, especially if you're making a project by yourself and you don't have a whole team of people to help you with that. That's amazing. Uh, there are some enhanced speech 
sliders, I guess you could call them, where you can remove background noise, make the make the content have less noise in it, less background noise, all these different things you can do. And then you can just click and adjust the sliders. And in real time, it's fixing it for you so you can hear what it sounds like. Very helpful tools for storytellers. Very helpful. Next one we have, and this will be the last major app that I'm really going to talk about, Adobe Express. As you know, my attitude has changed dramatically with this app ever since, uh, especially with this career change. The brand libraries are cross-platform. Uh, you can bring an illustrator into image or as an image into Adobe Express, and you can edit the components like the stroke and the fill, all of that stuff. That's pretty cool. Uh, text to template is pretty sweet. You can make a new template that isn't available in your pre-made temp template library and be awfully specific about it and have something new. That's pretty neat, I think. Uh, generative fill that they're going to incorporate with, yeah, with Adobe Express. That's pretty cool. They talk about the balance of macro marketing, you know, where you have things that are your big events and take a long time to put together and agile marketing like those those uh, meme or viral moments that pop up. How can you be more on task and not miss out on a good opportunity to get your brand noticed? Well, you can easily create content. You can resize it. Just click all the boxes of the different pro like profiles you want to use. If it's a Twitter image, if it's, you know, a TikTok video or whatever, then you select them all, then select duplicate and resize. Boom. And it puts them all into one compressed folder when you express it. You can then post it straight from Adobe Express which isn't new. They do have that content calendar, but you can now post it to Instagram reels and stories. Solid. Uh, you can also post it to TikTok. So all of that can really help your workflow. Now there's some things like, for example, with my, my podcast, I like to make a Instagram story of it and have a little button to push on there where then when you click on it, it takes you to the page. So I don't think it'll let me do that, and I'll still have to go into Instagram and and put that in there with a button and everything. But otherwise, if, if you're not doing something specific like that, that's pretty nice to where you can resize it all and do it there. So it really can help you get that stuff done faster. Uh, you can add linked images to your project. And then with the linked image, it's like, oh, here this is. Oh, but I want to make one change to it in Illustrator. You go into Illustrator, you make your change, and then you don't have to delete it out of your library and then re-upload it. It just automatically updates your logo in there. That's pretty cool. Ta saves a lot of time for sure. And other features highlighted, uh, there's like the animated character that goes along with your voice recording. Uh, you can edit and make PDFs. There's a remove background tool. Pretty useful for that. And, uh, you know, it's just Adobe Express is really a lifesaver 
for content creators because you can make things fast. You can be creative. You have a lot of tools. And you really should never be embarrassed about using it. You shouldn't. Um, oh, another thing that, that they talked about with it, which is pretty cool. Uh, when you're done making something, you know, you can then go in and lock different elements so they can't be moved and then make a template out of it and then invite other people to share with it. So you could collaborate with a lot of people at one time. And that way people are like, hey, oh, what if we tried this? Or what if we tried this? And then you don't want to give people ultimately free creativity over the whole thing. But maybe it's like, hey, here's this. I'm up to, I, I'm open for ideas about the, the hero text on there. What do we think of the color? What do we think of the font? You know, and then you don't have to worry about them changing everything else about the design, only the elements that you are concerned about, and then save drafts and, and export those and all that. So I think that is pretty cool. Uh, anytime where you can collaborate easier and streamline that process is always nice. And people are always working on the same version. And, you know, you don't have this version like Flyer 7 Final version three last one you know you don't have them named all weird like that you're just all working on the same things which is pretty nice um some other things about adobe creative cloud and adobe so adobe said in their kind of closing of their keynote speeches that i thought was pretty cool they are having a partnership with with google and photoshop web and express will run on chrome devices and Express will be installed by default eventually. Pretty awesome, again, for those school budgets. We can't afford to give everybody computers. We can buy the Chromebooks. Now the design teachers aren't like, well, how are my students supposed to work on things or, you know, all of that. Um, more accessible, not just for schools, but just for people in general. You don't necessarily have to have the most powerful machine. Now, the web version of Photoshop, it doesn't have as many features as the full version, you know, so that's something to keep in mind. But at least you have access to the main tools that most people use. And and especially with that in Express, you can be a viable force using those with your Chromebook. Absolutely. Uh, they talked about Firefly Image 2 model. And it... That's their generative artificial intelligence engine. It has a generative match where you can combine results with reference images that you upload. So like, I don't know if it would do this or not, but let's say I made a thing of a snowman and then I uploaded a picture that I took of some Legos. Then theoretically, it could make that snowman be built out of Legos. For example, I'd... They didn't use that as an example. That's just something that popped into my mind just right now that I think that you could try with that. Uh, this, this Firefly Image 2 model, it's supposed to allow four times higher resolution. Uh, this will really help for some good cinematic styles. And it's available right now in Adobe's Firefly webpage. So if you have access to that, you can do that. Go to uh, like firefly.adobe. Or is it adobe.firefly? Either one, if you search for Adobe Firefly, you'll be able to find it on Google for that. Um, they also talk about in the future, looking forward 
to Firefly Audio. Is this what I've been crying for for a long time with Adobe Audition for text editing a podcast? Please, please, can we have that, Adobe? Please. Uh, there's also uh, going to be Firefly Video and also Firefly 3D, where you'll be able to generate 3D models. So those are some things to look at in the long run. And I'm trying to think, if I'm forgetting anything else, I think that's kind of the main things I wanted to go over. This is most of the stuff kind of from the keynotes in the first day and everything. I might do one later from some of the information from the sneaks, another episode. We'll kind of see if there's interest in that. But what do you think? Did you attend Adobe Max 2023? What were your takeaways? What did you think of the text to vector? Finally, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Get out there and try those new Adobe Creative Cloud features. What the heck are you waiting for? Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe if you like what you heard. And I'm always looking to connect on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and YouTube at Code Peterson. You can also check out my webpage, CodePeterson.com.